Good evening, fellow Gooners, and welcome to, to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm your host, Mona, and my co-host, as usual, Aiden. How's it going? Another torturous week without football, and who knows when is this going to last, though? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I was expecting now, you know, it was like the mindset was already sitting up for 3rd and 4th April, but now it's like being shifted now further to, what was it? If it was, then it was end of April, and then it's now end of, what was it, May or start of June, something like that? First so, of June, I think, I think you told me in a personal but, message, but um, I, I can't see how this season's going to work. I can't see when coronavirus is going to end. It just seems like a never-ending story at the moment. The and, curve and, just doesn't want to flatten. And I mean, the, 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 what was it, yesterday, I don't know if you saw any of the media reports, the leagues below the National League in England, they've all now shut completely. Like, the season is null and void now for them. So, wow, it's it's a massive impact on everyone. And it's, yeah, but it's you know, just, sorry to interrupt, but I, I just have a feeling it's more because of it's amateur football. Because I think semi-pro, uh, they, they'll still, you know, have some sort of leeway because, um, look, I think that league just below the, below League 2 is something like semi-pro. So I think these teams from that National League, as I said, the below the National League, which is like full-on amateur, I think that is where the whole thing is coming, where they've now just uh, 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 scrap that season. I just don't know when, when this is going to end. I mean, today the Prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, you know, got also got the virus. So it's, it's not stopping or slowing down. I mean, Prince Charles as well. You know, so England's definitely not a safe place to play it. And I don't know how and when, but, you know, it's, uh, when this is going to end, this virus is ruining everything. Because, I mean, like, my take also, like, with regards now, you know, on the football side of things, I just think that's going to also come down to, look, everybody's thinking, um, you know, the management or um, football coaches, coaching staff, etc. But I, my take is, I think that whoever's fitness coach from the teams of the Premier League are, for, like, quickest out of the blocks with, you know, where they can actually get the players in the gym or, Analyze whatever the, the players are after that, you know, what they've been doing in the in the isolation, self-isolation period. I think that's going to be vital to how the top four and even European places will be decided. 100% because there's no laboring anymore. It's not a, a start like we mentioned, I mentioned last week, where at the start of the season, you can feel your way into it. It's like you take it out running. If you guys don't step up, you know, you could find yourself six points behind in the crucial title race, not title race, top four race or relegation battle. Yeah. And I mean, like, the, the one change now also to, for listeners, like, with this whole thing now with no games really to talk about and us normally now coming up with almost like random topics and that. So, I mean, I've been also now reading a lot of newspapers the last few days and, and there was one article I saw, it was actually caught by eye, of Alexander Klepp and he was... Uh, you know, the article was more down to the certain regrets that he had leaving Arsenal when he was only like in his prime. And by the time he had like, you know, being in his prime and being at Barcelona, it's almost like his, his career just got blown away in that, in that short period where it's almost like he was not really accepted by Guardiola. I don't know who was now the one that made the decision to bring, uh, you know, to call him out from Arsenal. But it's more like when you when you see that sort of thing, it's like part of you wants to feel sad, but then you think, you know, 
how he was trying to also sell himself in the media, like London is too noisy and this and that, all that, you know, it was like being really finicky about various things about the culture and the lifestyle in England. And then, I mean, look, when it all now blew up in his face, then it wasn't like then he started having the regrets. And as you were telling me in a, in a private message, look how he's, he's career also then, not, I wouldn't say boomerang, but almost like just crashed because it, he went in from, you know, two, say, two glamour clubs and then he ended up playing in, in, in at, or at Birmingham. And, you know, it was like being a journeyman then. I think he got his two cards also for like a short, short stand and even even a racket there. It was really sad. I mean, he was in the peak of his powers and for some reason he just decided to go there when there was Yaya Torre. Um, Puske, I'm not Puske, Yaya Torre champion in the I mean, you're not going to get into that midfield just like that. It was a stupid move, very impulsive and a lot of Arsenal players saw that going from Arsenal and Barcelona. They didn't learn from back in manual fatigue days, really. Yeah, because, I mean, if you think that, that sort of... I think he, uh, there was in, in this article, also, he said, like, till today what haunts him is... I don't know if it was now a, a, a phone call or a, um, or a text message, but he said something down the lines of Wenger telling him, you know, like, please don't go. Like, I mean, he was like... Because he's like part of this plan at Wenger and now with the squad. And it's almost like just before he could now really mold the squad into something special. I mean, then everybody saw that it's also championship. I feel sorry for Wenger in that regard. The guy, I think, had too much loyalty on his side with with the guy always leaving him in the lurch at every time. You know, um, leaving and then, you know, making a name for themselves. And then when the time came for them to actually thrive at Arsenal, they're like, OK, goodbye. You know, I, I was always felt like in a, as a you know, like lifelong Arsenal fan, Arsenal were always going to be torn between, I was like, player loyalty. And be like, look, Wenger throw in the same category as Krumke and them. So it was almost like Arsenal were always going to be almost like the child in a divorce in a bitter divorce where players want to leave on one end and whatever. But you, on one end, yes, you can understand, but then you can also think to yourself, look, you've been with us during the Ibury days, or, you know, especially those players that transition from the Ibury Stadium to the Emirates. And I mean, they, everybody knew how the, the cost cutting would be and, and stuff like that. And what I think what I still find infuriating today when you see... Tottenham doing this whole move and, and everything and that season away from the white out lane and that. But they still had... Look, of course, things are just falling apart for them on, on one end, you know, with, with besides injuries and, and the backroom stories that's going on. But but still, look, they they were still able to lure players for big fees. And I think that, is, that, goes, that goes down to also having an owner was also very much like Sam Kroenke, very, you know, behind the scenes. I don't like the limelight much. But, I mean, he, when they need money, he's almost, I would put him in the same category as that uh, Henry guy of, of um, Liverpool, the owner there. So, it's like if, if whoever the coach is, if they said, look, we need X amount for this, like, you know, where there are no real heavy restrictions on the budget, but then at least they know, okay, they have an owner that's going to have their backing. And with Arsenal, you don't know if, or do we or don't we. I guess with Arsenal also came down to with the cost cutting as well as letting experienced players go without replacing them. I think yeah. that is maybe where Wenger also, you know, not to slate the guy, 
became a bit power hungry because at a lot of the ex players say like the likes of the area Henri, maybe Adams they were all leaders on the field as well and they like we didn't have that since then a guy that will maybe stand up and tell Wenger you know I don't agree with this or don't listen to the boss we on the field we know the situation was happening we're gonna do this it's almost like everybody was just spoon fed by Wenger and we all just, you know, we listen to what the boss says. Don't do anything other than that. Yeah. And then on other topic also, you know, it was also good to see Arteta coming out the other day. Of course, you know, via a video call, but also just telling the Arsenal fans, almost like assuring them that he's now, you know, well on the way to recovery after this whole stint. And also how he, you know, experiences the whole thing of being that self-quarantine. Because I... I think where it kind of struck a chord by me, also being like a family man, is when you heard, like when he said in that house that he lives with his, his, his wife and his uh, three kids, of having to self-isolate, we have to have almost like your, like a special bedroom set up near to the bathroom or, yeah, to, you know, to just to have that sort of place and you cut off from your family, even though life goes on, you know, behind that, that door of his room. Yeah, it's really crazy and you know, I wonder that mentally affected him as well because I mean we always talk about the health aspect, the health aspect, but mentally that also took probably a lot out of him and also the Arsenal players, I mean your coach to get the coronavirus, you know, it's it's also like I know you mentioned about the fitness fatigue, but you know how are players gonna come back mentally as well after this whole ordeal? No, but I mean like from what he said in, in that interview of that that was not out last night. He's in contact with everybody. Like, I mean, he has, like, everything set up as well. Like, he's linked to everybody. So, it's, like, from the players, the board, uh, Edu and them all, all of, uh, all the coaches, even the academy coaches, they all linked up to him. So, I mean, that's, that's a positive side, which shows, like, you know, he's, even though he's, he's doing the self-quarantine and that, but, I mean, he's at least focused on it. Because he was also saying down to how he wants the players also to, not just do the fitness side of things, but also give themselves strong mentally also, like, you know, analyze, like, footage and, and various things about the, the past games. Uh, it's it's going to be good to see what happens, you know, eventually when the Premier League comes back, um, all, all things are going to pan out. Yeah, and I mean, one of the most ridiculous rumors that I saw, you know, I, after a while, I was just thinking, you know, do these guys actually get paid for these news? Because the rumor that I saw now is like something like, what, Dembele to Arsenal for something like 70 million? And I'm thinking, this is the same guy that uh, this, whoever this journalist was, not that's linking him to us. I mean, this is not just like a short thing of, of, of Dembele's uh, fitness, eh? Like, uh, hamstring injury August 19th, 2019, out for 34 days. Then a muscle injury, September 30th, 2019, out for three days. Then again, hamstring injury, November 28th, out for 67 days. And then now, 2020, hamstring injury, February 4th, return date, August 2020. So where would this guy now fit into our team? It's always going to be crocked to the hamstring injury. It sounds like a player that we've put in the old Arsenal regime where players took turns being injured for like... Six to twelve weeks, only for them to return the start of the next season. I mean, I don't know if, if it's also like you know sometimes the way you and I now with doing the podcast now, always like off the heap at the, uh, now without you know preparing with games and that. So it's almost like 
end of the way, we now have to sit through and sift through uh, information that we now find on the net or things that we now take in, in general, like, you know, certain things pop up with regards to the club. Now, it's all like these these supposed paid journalists are like sitting with a dartboard and just like, <laughs> you know, with darts. Where does the rumor fall on which club? Yeah, but like another thing that I want to bring up, um, I know none of you listen to it or the listeners listen to it. Um, I think it was Art's blog. He, he interviewed Cesc Fabregas about his stint, you know, at Arsenal, his time, you know, during the time he was at the club, we decided to leave. And for me personally, listening to it, for me, first of all, I think I was most heartbroken when he left Arsenal. For me, like, you know, he had a hero. I looked up to this guy and he always wore his heart on his sleeve when he played for Arsenal. But, you know, listening to his um, his interview and, you know, about how things panned out when he, he left, do you really think that the play, he so-called said, certain players in the team, you know, after they lost, would seem like they would go, want to still go out afterwards. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know, which players could this possibly be? Because I'm sure, like, a Lauren Koscielny wouldn't do something like that for Marlon, Sanya, um, Cliffy even. Like, I don't know which guys we were talking about, because I'm sure the core of those squad players would have actually, you know, taken the loss to heart as much as he probably did. And it's like, it's like a guy like Song maybe would have been like that. Yeah, I mean, look, my, I, I mean, I saw the thing, everybody, like, some of my friends also linked it on Facebook and stuff like that. But, I mean, I don't know, for me, I still have a, <laughs> a bitter pull with regards to Fabricas. I mean, yes, there was now all the opportunity to listen to the podcast and, and to hear his side, but, I mean, for me, the way things played out also, I just felt he left us in the lurch, almost like when we needed him most, and... My take is just that, you know, the way things were playing also out was like with an inner fading injury and then he pops up banging out with his like, you know, like soon-to-be Barcelona mates at the Spanish Grand Prix, in the F1 Grand Prix. And I mean, I think that just like just set a bad precedent to me with, with regard to the, the, you know, the character of the, per- of the player, actually, or the, even him as a person. Because it came off as... I think if he was more straightforward about it, then fine. I, I think I could have probably accepted it. Same with um, Van Persie as well. Van Persie was very deep about everything, you know. Well, not deep, but uh, shady. Because, I mean, I think he also knew his mind was set. I think most Arsenal fans would have also accepted if he had not just gave, give it, given it to us straightforward. But it's not like he came with all these little, uh, beat, you know, beating around the bush and stuff like that. And that is why you have that. that you know, you're going to have a, a quarter that's still... Have that affinity to Fabregas, have that affinity to um, Van Persie, and that. But I think the major, like for the core, I think we we take it actually too hard about you know only being kicked like that. Because I'm not just thinking when you have a club legend, even like Henri, being allowed to leave, it it was not through him wanting to just say, oh yeah, I want to go. Because he had that, that you know the ultimate wish that we could not grant him that winning the Champions League at least once in his career, and, and I think. For what he's done and, and got us also, you know, racking up trophies and that. Oh, yeah, so I we always indebted to him and that is why you have that, that statue in front. You're not going to have a statue of Fabregas there. I, I 100% right. I mean, it was like, the, you know, when Ronaldo left Man United, it, was, it wasn't a case of booing him. I mean, you granted him his wish. He gave him, I think it was three Premier League titles or, or two Premier yeah, three, I think it was three Premier League titles he gave them. 
And you know, you you look back at at something like that, and you can say, okay, respect, you know, grant you a wish, but like Fabregas, like I, I love the guy, and just the manner, like you said, he left. If he had just stayed on that one more season, because in the in the podcast he said, um, he, when he left Arsenal, he said it was too soon, but he felt that. You know, he, he couldn't go on like this where the players weren't taking it as serious as him. And, you know, he, he said his biggest wish was to bring Arsenal success. But, you know, if he had maybe stayed on another season or two, where were the likes of Van Persie fighting that 30-goal season, you yeah. could have had a completely different Arsenal side gunning for the title. But, you know, you can't cry over spilled milk. But it was just like interesting to hear the other side of the story and also how... Um, Arsenal but dally dally but was getting Chabi Alonso because apparently he also wanted to come to the club. Yeah, I think that was where, where you know, the, I think that was also the time when Arsenal needed more of a, a director of football to get these sort of deals over the line because I think Wenger ended up having, you know, it was like he got, what's the word, like flooded with everything that he was, like he had a hand in this, he had a hand in that, and I think that is why we everything just surpassed him, also the brand of football also, where our football, you know, as fantastic as it was, going from when he, when he joined to that invincible season, but by the time Pep came, Pep was bringing a total different you know, sort of food, brand of football, even before that uh, with Mourinho, brought a total different brand of football, and it's not like we did not we weren't. We were still set in our old ways, and we weren't like catching up to modern times. I guess he was too rigid and stuck in his ways, and wanted to do things a certain way. And I mean, football's a part of you. I mean, you see Mourinho now; he's struggling so yeah. badly. It's almost. It's almost like Wenger at the moment. Remember, he made fun of Wenger, a specialist in failure, <laughs> and the same thing is almost happening to him because he doesn't want to change from that pragmatic way of playing. Even I think Una Emre. You know, as a young as a coach he is, it's a bit, football seems to be like getting past him with the style of way he's playing. I mean, Guardiola and Klopp, you know, they're the top coaches in the world. But, you know, you, you see them alter their game slightly a bit where, where Guardiola... Yeah. With regard like, to, to, to Pep Nazunabri, like he was somebody, at times he would look almost like immortal. Like when you watch him when he's coaching and, and, and you know, the sort of players he brings in. And now with Liverpool, you know, putting their foot on the neck of him now. Now you can see him like Pepper's human after all. Like you see that errors, that same sort of errors that come out. Um, certain teams, like, I mean, they might sometimes blow the, say the top three, four, five away. But I mean, when you watch them now come, come up against uh, like a smaller team, they when they when the team with that smaller team goes toe-to-toe with him, you can see them, you know, buckling at the bad points. Yeah, it's, Oh, I just want the season to get done already so we can look forward to a new one. Probably, you know, I don't know if um, Emery Aguabamiang is still going to be at the club, but uh, Raul Jimenez, you know, I put a lot of thought into what you said um, last weekend, and I do feel that you'd be a good asset to the team. I mean, I'm just fed up when I see sometimes with the rumours of, say that that Dembele that was at, at Celtic or... Um, I don't know, some other strikes that throw in. And I'm thinking, why? Like, of course, this is rumours, but why not go somebody try to test, test it in the Premier League or in the Championship? Get somebody like that, because you're going to need tough guys to, to you know really handle the sort of defending that happens in the Premier League. If you're going to bring somebody, say, from Ligue 1 or, or Bundesliga or whatever, 
that's going to be, you know, almost like a fish out of water in the beginning, unless that person can adapt so, so quick. But because look, players like that, that Raul Jimenez, he reminds me when I watch him, it reminds me of watching at Luis Suarez. He's all over the place physically, he can handle everything also. And he's a bit of a bully on the field as well. So it's, it's like a type of guy we need in our front line if the likes of a Palmeiras is going to leave. Because at the moment, you know, you can't put your, your, your house on like a Z2 in your games, which is, you know, sad to say that. But we, And we can't also depend on the likes of a Martinelli and Saka. You know, we've moved a bit further forward because these are all youngsters. They can play, but don't you can't expect them to win games week in, week in and week out. We saw... Arsenal in the 2007-2008 season where, you know, the, the youngsters got them to a certain point, but the lack of experience caused them to crumble. Yeah, because, I mean, this is also another point I'm going to make now, like with regards to the podcast also now. With, with player contracts also, going to be it's going to be so important when this uh, whole coronavirus thing subsides, the, like the, the news and, and also the, the cases, etc. Because... I think Arsenal as a club will need to start tying up. I mean, I know Martinelli is not just the like, was it uh, oh, what's his first second season? Is now the first season? It's first season, first season. Because I really think Arsenal need to start tying up these guys now. Whether it's you know you put them on like either five or seven year contracts because you do know for fact for almost like us as Arsenal for our own protection. I think we need to get them signed up long term so that we know if you know. The heads do get turned eventually. I mean, you know, you know, our, even look how lips said, like, um, you know, when you get this, this call from Barcelona or Madrid, you uh, you know, it's so tough as a footballer because, look, you as a footballer also think, you know, this could be my one shot that I'm going to get now there. Especially if you're now in your early 20s and everything now, you know, looks rosy when you think, okay, I can eat a big, uh, you know, the big C now. But I think rather... Apply a trade, you know, work your way through, say now at Arsenal. Whether, you know, of course, sometimes teams will use us as a stepping stone. Players, I mean, they will use us as a stepping stone. But, I mean, I just think Arsenal is a club, tie down people like Martinelli, Saka, Warlock. And, I mean, if the, the way Nelson is also playing, then if he keeps on improving, improving at this rate, that, and, I mean, he was also really impressive at the latter parts now, before this whole uh, break in play in the Premier League. So, I mean, you throw you mean that category as well, where you, you tie them up? I 100% agree with that. It's, we, we, we don't want a case of, of, you know, losing players on the cheap, but, you know, for one, at the bombing, at least, top clubs are coming in for our players again, like, like before. It's just, you know, when will players learn the, with the Barcelona move? I mean, you look at Petit, um, Gleb, Song... You know, Andre made a success. Fabregas, you know, 50-50 still went on to take some silverware. Um, and, and I said Song, he also, like, struggled quite badly at Barcelona. But the players, you know, still want to jump ship there and just become a uh, small fish in a big pond. Yeah. Because well, the grass is not always green on the other side. That's, you know, like the old saying goes. Yeah, I think that's everything from my side. Any points? I don't know if you have... Anything that you want to add on your side? No, I mean, at the moment, I'm not just during whatever time between handling family life and that. I'm now also watching old reruns of Arsenal games and stuff like it, or even 
some Premier League reviews of a season. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, we went wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the the, the 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 season, you know, besides, the, 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 I think there's a few seasons where you know things just you know, I can't get over it fully. I think it was the Champions League final where even Fabrica said. 11 versus 11 on that day, it looked like Arsenal had Barcelona rattled until that red card. Then I think for me, 07 08 season, you know, we were we were looking like the team to beat, beating Milan in the San Siro and challenging for the title until all crumbled. Oh, 09 10 as well, when Chelsea went on to win the season as well for me, I thought, you know, we were a shoe in to win it. And they just our Arsenal's lack of, I don't know, experience or. For like uh, signings or um, being as tactical now has cost us, but you know those three seasons for me, you know, sit on my heart and thoughts always. Yeah, but I mean, maybe we can add that in, uh, like, say, next week's podcast. We can talk or reminisce about these sort of ups and downs of of yeah. seasons. So, okay, guys, I'll be ending off the podcast now. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe, and I hope you to to have you next week again. Bye. See you guys, stay safe.